Yeah, use my voice. My show sucks. Trump fucking rules. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Alright everybody, welcome to the show, episode 405 of I Dotta with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, seated next to me, as always, the lovely, the talented, the beautiful, the scholarly, the raring to go, Brittany Page. The also fully recovered from spicy chocolate. Oh, spicy chocolate. Situation. Not the sickness. Yeah. No, I, I'm still not fully recovered from the sickness. It's pretty crazy. Take some Claritin. That always helps me at the end. Yeah, I need something. So, uh, as you just mentioned... Spicy chocolate. Spicy chocolate. What is it? Coco Loco. Coco Loco. Uh, one of our... Willie Pete's. Awesome. Scandinavian fans. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they want to be like just labeled Scandinavian. Yeah. But, our, you know... We really take pride in the fact that we do have some semblance of an international audience. Mm-hmm. And we got sent this box, this Fuego box. Yeah, it's awesome. Filled with awesome hot sauce and other spicy little treats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a beer koozie. And a beer koozie that on the back of it says, life is too short for shitty hot sauce. There you go. <laughs> so anyway... Louise. Yes, Louise. In Denmark. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Amazing. It is awesome. Yeah. And it kind of fucked Brittany up yesterday. <laughs> okay, well, here, here's the deal. So I, I took a piece of this. It's dark chocolate with coffee beans infused with Carolina Reapers, scorpion, and ghost peppers. Okay, so you got the yeah. Carolina Reapers, the scorpion peppers, and the ghost peppers. All the big dogs. And then it's topped with sea salt. Okay. <laughs> And there's coffee in there, too. Yeah. Because I ate one. Yeah, I said dark chocolate with oh, coffee yeah, beans, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you're like juggling the sauces right well, now, I'm, I'm entertaining yourself while I'm, I'm talking. T- I'm taking them out <laughs> so we can talk about them. Um, so I took a piece of the chocolate and started chewing, and immediately I knew it was going to be yeah. quite hot. And I didn't have any water with me, so I ran and I spit it out in the trash. It was it was not because it was bad, okay? It's good. It's just that it was really spicy and I didn't know how spicy it was going to get and I didn't have water. You well, see? see, that's the thing with some of these with spicy stuff is you don't know how bad it's going to get. Yeah, how cuz it's going to sometimes it builds and it builds and it builds. Exactly. And then there's no end in sight. Yeah. Luckily, well for me, this was um it didn't it didn't go crazy. Mm-hmm. I think you could have handled it. By the way, I I bit my tongue mm-hmm. a couple days ago. Yeah. And I keep biting my tongue, so it's swollen up a little bit on the side. Mm-hmm. And now <laughs> I keep... I don't know if anybody noticed that little... See? Even that little... Uh-huh. I, I'm going to have a hard time getting through this episode because yeah. it's a very painful situation with my goddamn tongue. Because mm. I'm a moron who likes yeah. to chew on his tongue, apparently. Apparently you like to bite your tongue. Yeah. So the other things are... Pecs, peppers, 
Pineapple. Here, I'll read for you. All right. All right. I still have to talk for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) You reading this isn't going to help the rest of the show. Yeah. So apparently this is the hottest um, hot sauce that they carry, they said. Oh, yikes. So it also has the Carolina Reaper, um, Pex Peppers, which I've never heard of Pex Peppers. And that is mixed with Colorado honey and fresh pineapple. Um, So it says it's ultra hot, heat centric. Heat-centric startup. You know with hot sauces, (laughs) how hot it's going to be when you look at the ingredients. Usually, they'll be like carrots will be the first ingredient. Really? Or vinegar. Hmm. Because it's like a filler, and then they put a little bit of chilies in there. Why are you smiling? I'm not smiling. Is it because of the talking? No. God damn it. So, (laughs) But this is, I'm looking at the ingredients here, and Mm -hmm. Reaper chilies is the very first ingredient. And then vinegar, then pineapple, and then honey. Oh, no. Well, so I like, that one's going to make your butthole feel real nice. I like the recommendation of what to try it on. It says to try it on cheesecake. What? Why would you ruin your cheesecake with this spicy sauce with the number one ingredient, Carolina Reapers? Is Carolina Reapers the... The, the chip challenge The one, one chip challenge? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It, so, right, now, right now, it's the hottest pepper in the world. Yeah, so that's really bad. And then... I don't want to bore everybody with hot sauce talk. I know we're talking about hot sauce for the second episode in a row. But the, the for, the, for the, the what I'm really excited about, Louise, and I really want to thank you, is in this pack is a hot sauce brand from Japan that I follow this guy. He has like a little farm in Japan. Hmm. And I follow this guy on goddamn Instagram and I have for years. Yeah. And now I have uh, his hot sauce. And it's Mellow Habanero. Mellow Habanero is the company. And this is Hop in Heaven, mm-hmm. which is has hops in it, like from beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously Habanero. Yep. There you go. Looking real, real hot. It says to try it on chicken, red meat, eggs, oysters, clams, pasta, salad, soup, just everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cheesecake. It, uh, it also says... <laughs> Wandering minds and broken hearts. So I guess he's kind of a hippy dippy uh, purveyor. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and then also volcanic nuts. Yeah, sweet uh, sweet scorpion peanuts um, with scorpion peppers. And I couldn't quit eating these yesterday, even though I have a wounded tongue. Yeah, and all that. I'm sure that was good for just going straight into the tongue wound. I'm sure that was good. And of course, there was a note that Brittany will read. Yes. Dear Brittany and Jesse, I heard you like spicy foods and to celebrate the 400th podcast episode, a little gift from me to you both. Rumor has it that the Fuego Loco products are super hot. Louise. Beautiful. Yeah. We really appreciate it, Louise. Um, And, you know, uh, the 400th episode was uh, because we didn't really do anything special for it. It kind of came and went, but it it warms our heart with the hot sauce. Yeah. You also um, have been receiving some messages about people wanting to buy your hot sauce that you talked about last time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I do have a couple jars uh, of the the habanero stuff that I made that I'd be willing to send out in little... I got to find little plastic sample size things. They have the little keychain sriracha things. I've tried to find empty bottles, but they're really expensive. Like 10 bucks for one of them, the little two ounce thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to find little plastic things. If you want some of that, if you pay for shipping, you know, six bucks or whatever it would be, mm-hmm. I'd be happy to mail some of that shit out. So reach out. We already had someone reach out. Kim Jong Orangina. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, I'll send that stuff out. So just email. I doubt it with dollar more. 
I doubt it at dollamore.com and uh, I will uh, we'll make the arrangements. Yes, we will. It's hot though. Uh-huh. Just know yeah. that it's hot. Just a little tiny bit. Just a little bit. A little bit goes a long way. <laughs> All right. Well, let's... We, do we have any emails or any voicemails that we're going to play? Are we just going to launch right into this thing? I want to talk about, while you're looking, that article that was posted in the uh, listener group about the, the college professor at the, at the conference or whatever. Yes. Yeah, so Carrie from Boise posted this in the Dollamore listener group. It is from the Washington Post. The title, if you want to track it down, I guess we'll also share it on the yeah. Twitter page and Facebook page. <laughs> she called his elevator joke offensive. He called her complaint frivolous. Who's right? Okay. Um, so this is the gist of what I think happened from reading it now um fair warning i did get bored and stop reading it so um (laughs) okay so this professor male professor of political theory or something was on the elevator with a professor that um is from like the gender studies department and at some point he makes a joke and he says the words ladies lingerie and she's in the back of the elevator calling out what floor she would like to, you know, like, you know, when you say, oh, would you push four? Because you're all the way over there by the buttons. Right. And so she told what floor. And he said, ladies lingerie, and then clicked the button. Right. And you had to explain to me what this was. And it's kind of a throwback to old times when there would be like an elevator operator and there were multiple floors in like a department store yeah, or something. And they would like, it would be uh men's haberdashery, ladies lingerie, <laughs> you know, and he would call out what the floor is and then hit the button. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually what it would do, but it's been in like movies and stuff. There's it's become a thing. Yeah. And so, so the guy wasn't making it or it, it appeared to me, he wasn't being, like a, a wild sexist just randomly bringing up lingerie. Yeah. He was trying to be a funny guy or something. Right. And, you know. Yeah. So um, apparently all his... He had friends with him in the elevator and they all laughed at his joke. And she... Fucking nerd alert. Yeah, I know. They, they all stepped off the elevator and she said to another woman like don't they know they aren't supposed to make jokes like this anymore they're no longer acceptable whatever and so she has filed a complaint and one of the things it said in this article is that quote as a survivor of sexual harassment in the academy Uh, uh, i am quite shaken by this incident can i you want me to bitch about this later or now that particular element I mean, I don't have control over you, and you are your own person. So go ahead and right. make your own decisions. I, what do I say? It, Handle your own affairs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Handle your own affairs. <laughs> Proceed. Yeah. So uh, I'm. It bothers me when people call themselves a survivor of something. When you use the word survivor, it indicates that you could have ended up dead over the incident. Mm-hmm. You're not a sexual harassment survivor. You're a cancer survivor. You're a rape survivor. You're a domestic violence survivor. Because all of those things, you could have ended up dead. You're not a sexual harassment 
survivor. That's like saying, oh, I'm a Disneyland visitor survivor. I went to it, and I got scared at one point, and I survived the incident. It, come on, just get the fuck out of here with I, this extreme douchey language trying to make your situation seem more egregious and important than it is. You're not a domestic, uh, you're not a, 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 a sexual harassment survivor. You're someone who, you know, suffered the indignity of sexual harassment in the past. Fucking survivor. Get the fuck out of here. It makes almost everything else you say make me like, eh, I don't know if I buy the rest of this. So I, Ugh, I te- ladies lingerie. <laughs> I tend to um, agree with the point that you're making. Just although not with I the manner I'm making. No, it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, because I think it would just be better to say that she has previously encountered these experiences, and because of her past experience with these types of comments in the workplace, it made her uncomfortable. Whatever. Um, but the point remains that this is not a big deal. And if it really offended you in that moment, then the appropriate r- thing to do would just be like, oh, what are we 12? Are we 12? You're joking about women's underwear. You Who mean cares? to actually say that in the elevator to the dude. Yeah. I yeah. mean, cause it, it's a situation where he's, he's trying to be lighthearted. He's not like, Hey, you know, let me see your underwear. You know, he's, he's whatever it's just like a dumb thing that he said he's not trying to make you uncomfortable right how about this let's say he was even if he was you fucking read him the riot act you don't go tattle you say hey dickhole what's that supposed to mean what are you 12 years old well and and that's kind of you take command of the situation so i'm i'm Again, you just like go full force with everything. So it makes me a little uncomfortable. But um, sorry, guys, I, <laughs> I, I think that I don't believe she felt unsafe. So I don't think that that would have been out of the realm of possibility to make a comment in response to his comment. Right. I don't think that. She, have we said they're both professors? Yeah, I don't think... So he's not some random on the elevator who's a threat, who's a predator. Right. He's another professor. Right. So I think that that makes it different, too. Um, but anyway, um, they have tried to force him to apologize, the school administration, whatever. And he said, no, I'm not going to apologize for making this joke. Um, yeah. And I, I tend to agree with him because... I, I really don't think that there's harm in this situation. Yeah. That, there, that there was harm done to her, that there was malicious intent. Um, I think he made like a dumb joke that no one cares about or thinks is funny. And um, <laughs> well, apparently his douchebag buddies did. Um, and well, they have to support their snicker, friend. Snicker, snicker, snicker. <laughs> um, I'm surprised they weren't hitting the floor to go down to your basement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to play video games yeah so you know what don't write me and say that i am like not countering jesse's aggression enough or something i don't want to hear it yeah write me tell me about it you go ahead and you do that and also i want to say something because there are people that write me private messages and say jesse said this on the show and like (laughs) are you kidding me no and like take on something you said but just with me and i literally will say okay well you can go write him. <laughs> I am not him. And I also do not control what he says. So God damn. proceed with the correcting. 
proceeds. of Jesse. He has a separate Facebook. Please message him on his separate Facebook. You know what? Save it. Save your fucking. If you are that upset about something, write into the show or call into the show. You don't get special, secret, private time with me. Especially not with me. Yeah, let's hash it out on the show. If you've got a problem. I'm like having to facilitate a discussion group in the aftermath of the podcast because of something you said. Okay, guys, let's process this. A private discussion group with you and whatever the person. Let's process this, guys. (laughs) What did Jesse do and say? And so the other thing is Barry Weiss is a gal who writes for the New York Times. I think she just got hired on recently within the last few months. Mm -hmm. And she seems to be kind of a darling of... These right wing kind of alt light characters. And I wouldn't even say she's one of them. I just think she's found a voice. I don't know why I think that. Maybe it's because there's people I know and respect who know and respect her. Yeah. So I have seen people really attack Barry Weiss. And I have resisted that because um, of Michael Moynihan. Yeah, that's and what I'm talking about. I love him and I respect him and I he defends her and he says he knows her personally. And that she's not some right-wing nutbag that yes. really oftentimes when when a topic comes down, he's not going to know how she's going to feel about it, how how she's going to believe about it because she's a she thinks for herself and on her own. Yeah, so I I haven't really jumped on that bandwagon. Um, it is a douchey article, though. We'll say that before we move on talking about it. Yeah. So it's this intellectual dark web article. <laughs> um, and the title of uh, it. Come on. The Barry. title of it is Meet the Renegades of the Intellectual Dark Web. And if you haven't seen it in the New York Times, please go see it. And for at the very least, if you're not going to read it, go look at the photos that were included with this. Of like Dave Rubin and Sam Harris and Michael Shermer and uh, Christina who, Hoff Summers. Yeah, yeah. And who else? There's one other dude, isn't there? Uh, Brett Weinstein. That's right. Yeah. So I- anyway, they're very funny because they're all like in the bushes and standing around uh, plants and shit. It's dark out. It, they're just weird. They're mm-hmm. weird photos. Well, it's the dark web. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. You, you see the connection, right? Yeah, I guess. It's very artistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is interesting because they talk about how, I mean, they're using words like renegades, heretics, uh, trying to get in the mainstream. And these people are mainstream. I mean, come on. This is so ridiculous. So there's one line here. um, She writes, most simply, it is a collection of iconoclastic thinkers, academic renegades, and media personalities who are having a rolling conversation on podcasts, YouTube, and Twitter, and in sold out auditoriums that sound unlike anything else happening, at least publicly, in the culture right now. Okay, wait a minute. No, no, no. Pod, podcasts. Read that last half again. Podcasts, YouTube and Twitter, and in sold out auditoriums. Those things are public. Right. Those things are in the culture. Yeah. And, and they talk about Joe Rogan in here. Joe Rogan has one of the most famous podcasts. Right. He has three hour conversations with people and they are on YouTube they and are, they get yeah. how many views? Yeah, I mean, both him and like Joe Rogan and like Sam Harris. Sam Harris probably has between five and eight hundred thousand people downloading his podcast every episode. I think in this article it says a million. 
per episode. Uh, that that sounds. I mean, that sounds high to me. But that I'll I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. So get the fuck out of here with this. Oh, they have to be forced underground to the dark web. Mm-hmm. Well, even Dave Rubin. So Dave Rubin's YouTube show, it says here, has more than seven hundred thousand subscribers. Uh, ben Shapiro's podcast, five days a week. Uh oh, we better step up our game. Is gets fifteen million downloads a month. Is is Ben Shapiro considered the underground, the guy who's co- always on Fox News? Yeah, that's that. Get the fuck out of here. That's the ridiculous part of this article, which they also talk about um, Jordan Peterson, who makes the guy who was just on fucking Bill Maher the other day. Bill Bill Maher <laughs> number one book. On Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Was it a New York Times bestseller? I know. I'm sure it was on the list. And he makes like $80,000 a month on Patreon. 80 grand a month? Listen, you fuckers better step it up because <laughs> if Jordan Peterson is making 80 grand a month, goddamn, talk about going three episodes a week. <laughs> well, think about that. Jordan Peterson, that many people follow that guy. Yeah. And think what he is saying is notable and profound. And so much so that they want to pay him money um, and get him 80 grand a month. Crazy. But he's the inter- intellectual dark web. Intellectual dark web. Intellectual dark web. And so she goes in to describe what qualifies someone to be in the intellectual dark web i guess because she says the the core members have little in common politically and she says like brett and eric weinstein um, were bernie sanders supporters Mm -hmm. and then sam harris was an outspoken hillary voter and ben shapiro is an anti-trump conservative so she says that these different players in the intellectual dark web I, i would i would push back on that um characterization of sam harris i don't think he was an outspoken uh, Hillary voter. I think he was an outspoken, not Donald Trump voter. He mm-hmm. was kind of like me. Mm-hmm. That's like calling me an outspoken Hillary voter. I was outspoken about voting against Donald Trump, but I certainly wasn't enthusiastic yeah. about voting for Hillary Clinton. Right. Yeah. So then she goes on to write, but they all share three distinct qualities. First, they are willing to disagree ferociously, but talk civilly about nearly every meaningful subject, religion, abortion, immigration, the nature of consciousness, You guys should listen to Jordan Peterson talk about consciousness. Okay. Um, Second, in an age in which popular feelings about the way things ought to be often override facts about the way things actually are, each is determined to resist parroting what is politically convenient. And third, some have paid for this commitment by being purged from institutions that have become increasingly hostile to unorthodox thought and have found receptive audiences elsewhere. So... Um, The first thing, um, disagree ferociously but talk civilly about all these topics. I don't think that's unique to these people. I think that there's many other people that don't consider themselves outcasts, heretics, or renegades that just do this, and they're called academics. And if you go on Twitter, um, like Science Twitter, for example, there are many notable academics, many notable researchers, professors that um, post about these topics, that engage other scientists on Twitter on these topics. Um, This is not something that these people have a monopoly on well listen even the even the the podcast with sam harris and ezra klein ezra klein wasn't being on unhinged he's he's another guy who has a completely separate opinion uh uh, diametrically opposed to sam harris and they spoke very 
very civilly, mm-hmm. you know, very, very metered. Right. Well, and the implication here being that the majority of society has now become like that professor that filed a complaint with the university over the lady's lingerie comments. Yeah. Saying that she was um, attacked and offended by that. That's not the majority of people. Not at all. That is a minority um, that feels that way about comments and doesn't want to have um, like debates about these issues because it's too controversial. Yeah. Right? I don't. I don't think that that's a majority of people. Would you? No, would you say that's a majority not. of people? I mean, it's the same. It, look, it, it's it's the deal that these a lot of these people. I'm not going to put them all into the group. Not every member of the intellectual dark web. <laughs> Not all of them um, are screaming about the same issue. They're not all talking about free speech on campus, the the the, the SJWs, the social justice warriors being a problem. But listen, there are a few of these people, Dave Rubin, chief among them, I think, who act like that is his calling in life because there's such a problem with social justice warriors and political correctness. There's not. There's just fucking not, because I'm not politically correct the way they use the word. I consider myself a social justice warrior. I'm I'm all for social justice. I'm behind it. But I don't mind making off-color jokes. I think the woman in the elevator was a ding-dong. You know, it, not. it's only... What, what they do is they find... The things that are memeable, these characters in society, on, on campus, in, uh, at protests that are memeable, that you can create an actual visual meme out of, and they act like every, then they paint everyone else with that same broad brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, everybody's seen the meme of the girls like screaming, no, on her knees on the ground mm-hmm. because Hillary lost or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That, not everybody's doing that. Not everybody is that. And and for them, they they don't want to be painted with the broad brush of I'm not alt-right. I'm not a Nazi. We're not all Nazis. Well, not all social justice warriors, SJWs, are that girl on her knees screaming and crying or whatever. Right. It's just they're using the same tactics against the other side that they bemoan being used against them right and i want to talk about a professor who almost was included in this article um but then she asked to not be included in the article Hmm. and her name is alice drager Mm -hmm. and she left her academic job by choice um she left northwestern's medical school Um, after censorship over an article she's also gotten into some hot water with her book i think galileo's middle finger is what it's called and something that she wrote in there about trans people Hmm. um but which by the way hasn't she come out and said she supports trans rights she's she was speaking from like from a scientific standpoint of asking questions or something yeah she has defended what she wrote saying that um she she supports the issue and that everyone needs respect and whatever. I, yeah. I, I don't remember the quote, but it was a good 
<laughs> quote, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. Um, so why I asked not to be in that New York Times article. So I'm just going to read a couple of parts from this. She wrote, anyway, when Barry called on my vacation in Hawaii to interview me on this, I just kept laughing at the idea. I told her I don't get why I count as being on the quote unquote dark web when what I say is out in the open. <laughs> exactly the point we're making. Right. Um, <laughs> at the inception of the article, before it was even written, she was saying the same goddamn thing. Yeah. She's like, wait a minute. I don't. I am perfectly able to reach people. There's yeah. no like issue. I left my job by choice, which is actually the case for um, Eric Weinstein, mm -hmm. I believe, or no, maybe Brett Weinstein. I think it's Brett. Um, yeah. And his wife, they left by choice. They weren't fired. So. Yeah. Right. I yeah. Well, if it's not easy. They, they may have well have been fired because it was going to be difficult for them emotionally. Yet they scream at snowflakes all the fucking time. Ugh. She went on to write, Barry and I talked again, including in person, when I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, and I became convinced I made no sense in an article for which I did not understand the most basic premise. If the idea is that I piss people off by being disloyal to my likely tribes, well, I don't think that makes me that unusual. I think it just makes me a good intellectual. I know plenty of people like this, academic doctors and scientists and historians and the like, who are deeply unpredictable because they go where the data takes them, even if it gets them in trouble. The intellectual dark web? Frankly, the character type just sounds like the average attendee at my dinner table, including my 17-year-old son. Mostly what worried and worries me is this. The group identified as the intellectual dark web appears to be so identified because they have a lot of opinions. As I've been saying to Barry since the first time we talked a few months ago, I'm really tired of the valorization of opinions, and I think it is exactly what has gotten us into this mess we are in. I admire her for still talking to me after how many times I've said to her, Barry, listen, what you do is part of the problem, not part of the solution. Oh, wow. I am not interested in darkness or dark connections. I want intellectualism, journalism, scholarship, and government to be about light, transparency, and facts. Peer review, checks and balances, open access. Not about clicks and skirmishes and dramatic photo photos taken at sunset. Art is great. It is necessary and life-giving, but we shouldn't confuse it with scholarship or journalism. I don't know what it means to think real intellectualism could live on the dark web. There it would die. There I would die. So this is pretty pretty good thought, I think. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> they are acting like they're doing something different and unique when really they're not. Um and that's evident in their following as well. I mean, for sure. if you were that much of a heretic and a renegade, you know, you wouldn't be making 80 grand a month. Yeah. Um, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe you would, I guess. I Is that a bad argument? No, I, I don't know. I, I, they're, they're pretty fucking mainstream. I mean, they're using mainstream, and I don't even mean their ideas. I, just acting like, well, I think it's the characterization of the dark web. Because the dark web is a part of the internet that I've never been to because it, it's not easy to get to where you can buy like arms deals and drug deals and like sex trafficking happens on the dark web. It's you can't get there through Google. Mm -hmm. And every one of these ding dongs that they featured, respectable or disrespectable, are mainstream characters who have who are appearing on HBO Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris, 
Dave Rubin's on YouTube. Every All of them are on Twitter. You can find their opinions. You can hear their opinions. You can subscribe to their podcast. You can go to Patreon and support them with your money. You don't have to log into some special internet that's deep in the bowels and turn two keys at the same time to access their secret her- heretical knowledge, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just... It's just not an apt characterization. Well, even when like Kevin Williamson, who they hold up as this latest person that was censored because he was dropped from the Atlantic after they hired him and there was a social media backlash, uh, the Wall Street Journal published um, an essay from him after that happened when the Twitter mob came for me. Um, There was a defense of him published in the New York Times Right. Um, The Atlantic even published a defense of him. So (laughs) to act like there is silencing going on, it just seems like that's a simplistic argument. But I also want to take issue. Hang on. Go ahead. I also want to take issue with um, this characterization of them as being someone who just follows the facts where the facts go. Um, Listen, if that were the case, then there would be more of a balanced discussion happening on these forums. There would be not a discussion with Ezra Klein, but a discussion with geneticists who take issue with Charles Murray's book, The Bell Curve. Um, The many, many, many uh, lauded and respected geneticists. Discussing the science and um, actually getting into that issue. There would be a balance. There would be, here's 30 minutes with Charles Murray. Here's 30 minutes with Paige Harden. Okay. If they're looking for the facts. You know, and I, I think it's just very strange that people aren't concerned with that right people want to say no he just he he follows the science where the science goes well you're not number one if you're not trained in that okay and you're just hearing your information from someone on a podcast and you're not trained in this field um and they're not providing you a balanced perspective that that's a problem yeah for sure okay because it's it's hard when you don't have the training to wade through these things it's hard even if you have the training to wade through these things. So um, all of this is more complicated than people make it. And I, I wish... Oh, really? Genetics is is harder than people think? Well, a lot of these scientific issues. Yeah. And, and everyone likes to say, well, I'm just going where the evidence leads. And it's like, well, especially with the IQ genetics thing, there are more in-depth conversations to have um, about that. More in-depth than the one that Sam Harris had with Charles Murray. I mean, it's just yeah. that that's the way it is. So, yeah. <laughs> As always, we would love to know what you guys think about this, both the lady in the elevator. We'll put that up on the Facebook page. Uh, and then also this intellectual dark web thing. Again, it kind of deals with Sam Harris. Maybe we'll catch some, some shit for it. I hope not, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So uh, we appreciate you guys. And we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. 
Mache. Mache. Stephen and Kelsey. Stephen and Kelsey. Teresa. Teresa. Those are the new Patreon supporters. Awesome. And then we have some people who upped their pledge. Oh, that is beautiful. Jack. Jack. And Kim Jong Orangina. Kim Jong Orangina. Yes. The lover of the hot sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Stephen and Kelsey, they just they just gave us the crypto coin donation. Yeah. And now they're Patreon. That's yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Heartwarming. Yes. Seriously, beautiful. I don't say that. I mean, I say that with a smile on my face because I think it's kind of douchey to say heartwarming. But really, if something's heartwarming, that's heartwarming. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. God, that's, that's really, that is awesome. Yeah. So thank you guys, all of you, for helping support the show, helping us move the conversation forward, uh, buttressing us against the threat of Sam Harris followers leaving us in droves. <laughs> We appreciate it very much, you guys. If Patreon's not your thing, you still like to support the show, you can shop on Amazon. Buy the regular things you'd buy on Amazon for the regular prices you'd pay on Amazon. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. A lot of Amazon talk when we push the Amazon link. Um, and every bit, a little bit goes a long way towards supporting the show and helping us uh, do what we do. We are getting closer and closer to that third show a week, Mark. And uh, we'd, we'd, we'd love to do it, and it just ne- it needs to make uh, financial sense for us. So thanks for all that you guys do, both in supporting the show and also participating in the show with the voicemails and, and uh, helping us produce this podcast. We love you guys. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Gina Haspel, Gina Haspel, the CIA nominee, the the nominee to be the CIA director, the first woman CIA director, the woman who is embroiled in controversy because of her her participation in waterboarding on a CIA black site, prison site in Thailand, where multiple people were waterboarded, both prior to her arrival as the station chief and after. There's a lot of controversy right now surrounding her nomination. People like John McCain just came out yesterday and implored his Senate colleagues to vote no. You've got Democrats like Joe Manchin, who are supporting her nomination. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that he is going to be in a bitter election battle for his seat in West Virginia this year. So I don't give him a ton of shit. Because you have to keep your... It's not as black and white and easy as... It's, it's an easy choice. It is an easy choice. She shouldn't be the CIA director. But if he doesn't make this vote, vote and it may, they make campaign fodder out of it, and he doesn't get elected now, next time, and then we have a Republican in there, you know, a, a, a centrist Joe Manchin is better than a right-wing nutter butter Republican in West Virginia. There's no other way to look at it than that. So anyway, I'm getting in the weeds here, but... So Gina Haspel uh, had uh, a confirmation hearing on Capitol Hill, and uh, 
They kind of went to town on her. Here's a little bit about her, though. The president's nominee for CIA director defended the agency's enhanced interrogation of terrorism suspects after 9-11, but said she would not bring it back. Gina Haspel has worked in the CIA for 33 years. She would be the first woman to head the agency and has led worldwide spying operations. For a time, she oversaw a prison where suspects were tortured. Jeff Pegues reports questions about that dominated her Senate confirmation hearing. Even before the opening statements, it was clear Gina Haspel would face a tough hearing. Haspel tried to keep the focus on her three-decade career at the CIA, some of it spent undercover. I excelled in finding and acquiring secret information that I obtained in brush passes, dead drops, or in meetings in dusty alleys of third-world capitals. But it was her role in the post-9-11 enhanced interrogation program that has her nomination in question. The very important thing to know about CIA is we follow the law. We followed the law then, and we follow the law now. Haspel served at a so-called CIA black site where top-level al-Qaeda prisoners were subjected to harsh interrogation techniques like waterboarding, which simulates drowning. Those methods are now banned, but during the presidential campaign, candidate Trump advocated for their use. Torture works, okay, folks? Torture, you know, have these guys. Torture doesn't work. Believe me, it works, okay? If this president asks you to do something that you find morally objectionable, will you carry that out, that option, and that order or not? Senator, my moral compass is strong. I would not allow CIA to undertake activity that I thought was immoral even if it was technically legal. Haspel was also questioned about a memo she helped author that ordered the destruction of 92 video recordings of the interrogations. She said it was her boss who gave the final order. No, I never watched the tapes, but I understood that our officers' faces were on them and that that was very dangerous at a time when there were unauthorized disclosures that were exposing the program. Jeff Begays is on Capitol Hill. Jeff, uh, after today, how likely is it that her nomination, Gina Haspel's nomination, goes through? Well, despite being grilled by some Democrats, she did pick up the support of West Virginia's Joe Manchin, who said that he will vote to confirm her. Also, late today, Susan Collins, Republican of Maine, said that she is a yes vote. And it looks like she has the support of much of the CIA. One former employee told me that the rank and file believes that an insider is better running things rather than an outsider with less experience. Jeff. Jeff Jeff Pegues, thanks. So first, let me say this. I used to be okay with enhanced interrogation techniques. Torture. Not with torture, but with what is considered enhanced interrogation. I'm still I'm still okay with enhanced interrogation, but the problem is is there's a there's where does the definition come down? I am not okay with waterboarding. Let's just put it that way. I used to be okay with waterboarding, and I am not now. Because experts say that it's not effective. And if we're going to lead our lives and have our opinions based on anything, it better goddamn be based on expert opinion. And the overwhelming cadre of experts say, that waterboarding is not effective to get information. That they'll say whatever the fuck that, that, that you want to hear. They know what you want to hear, and they're going to say that. Because in the course 
of the dozens of, of waterboarding subjects in Thailand, victims of waterboarding in Thailand, although many of them were actual terrorists, so I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. Look, there's a lot of nuance here. Of the dozens and dozens that were waterboarded prior to Gina Haspel's arrival, one of them fucking died, and they had to revive him. But he died. Well, and that's one of the things that uh, we talked about the Christopher Hitchens video. He was um, waterboarded for Vanity Fair um, to illustrate what it is like. And he says that it, it isn't that you feel like you're drowning. You're drowning. You're drowning. Um, and he, he's very passionate about this issue because, well, he was waterboarded for Vanity Fair. Yeah. Um, and through that experience, he learned how terrible it is. Yeah. So, and it just logically, it makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. That if you're being tortured, you want, you want it to stop. You know, (laughs) you know how to make it stop. That's by providing information. And, and again, that they know what information that the, their torturers want to hear. They know how to get the torture to stop. Right. So this next audio is taken from uh, the New York Times uh, podcast, uh, The Daily, in which John Bennett, who was like a, a, the chief of operations for clandestine services for the CIA, he's interviewed and he's given a pretty full-throated defense of Gina Haspel. And it's his defense that I want to talk about because he's not given good reasons. And I would say the fact that they sent Gina Haspel, uh, given her sound judgment and her balance, emotional balance, I think she, if you're going to have that type of facility, that's exactly the type of officer you want there, not somebody who is a zealot or somebody who has lost their perspective on what it is that we're there for. I think it's unfair to assume that Gina is somebody who's an advocate for waterboarding. I mean, that was one of the tools that was legally available at that site, but it's not a tool that she invented or advocated. So he's saying that Haspel was brought there because she's not somebody who's viewed as embracing the harshest possible tactics after 9-11 to deal with suspected terrorists. I think she's brought there because she wasn't going to let things get out of control. Remember, that individual who was waterboarded under her time was only waterboarded three times. Now, for him, each one is an eternity. But the previous individual, Abu Zubaydah, was waterboarded 83 times. That didn't happen under her watch there. Somebody described her job there as cleanup and close up, which they did in December of 2002. So the the two the two things I want to take issue with there are that well she didn't invent waterboarding. So so if you if you murder someone and you go on trial is a good defense. Well, I didn't invent the firearm. I, I didn't invent the knife with which I stabbed my victim. Right. I, I can't be come on. Yes, I used it to stab someone, but I didn't invent the knife. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible fucking defense. Yeah. The other thing is that, well, before she got there, 83 times Abu Zubaydah was waterboarded. After she got there, only three times. Yeah, there was a lot of torture before she got there, 
And she only tortured a few times. There was not as much torture when she was there. That's also a poor argument for what they're trying to illustrate in the confirmation hearing right now, which is, will you or will you not follow a direct order from the president of the United States, who is so passionate, you heard him so jovial discussing the issue of torture, um, so passionate about this issue that it works, that we should do it more. Yeah. Um, that we should do more than the types <laughs> that we're already doing, he says. As a candidate, President Trump repeatedly expressed his support for waterboarding. In fact, he said we should go beyond waterboarding. So if the CIA has a high-value terrorism suspect in its custody and the president gave you a direct order to waterboard that suspect, what would you do? Senator, um, I would advise, I do not believe the president would ask me to do that, Um, but... um, We have uh, today in the U.S. government other U.S. government entities that conduct interrogations. Um, DOD uses the Army Field Manual, and they conduct battlefield interrogations. And CIA has incredible expertise it can bring to the table in support of those interrogations. The FBI has its authorities to conduct interrogations. And as you know, we have the high-value interrogation group. So... You know, I I would be advise anyone who asks me about it that CIA is not the right place to conduct interrogations. We don't have interrogators, and we don't have interrogation expertise. So I believe that that would be my the reason I have been nominated is that people have some respect for my views on these issues. My experiences during those days after 9/11 inform my views. I'm extremely knowledgeable, and I'm also extremely knowledgeable about the price CIA working level men and women out in the trenches paid for decisions made after 9-11. That's a lot of words to not answer the goddamn question. The first part of that is what I want to take issue with. I do not believe the president would ask me to do that. Um, But um, why would she believe that the president would not ask her to do that? There are voluminous records of Donald Trump advocating for torture and worse, quote-unquote. Donald Trump has advocated for the murder of terrorist families. Well, also, we don't know what he's going to do. She, wait a minute. She knows what he's going to do? She can predict his yeah. behavior? Because that's a useful tool to have. Clearly. I do not believe the president would ask me to do that. Yeah, um, we don't know. But We don't know that. Um, the, the, and she wasted how many seconds there with that well, That's just one line of questioning from one senator. Susan Collins, by the way, who's going to vote for her. Well, these confirmation hearings are maddening to listen to because they never answer the question. It's yeah. like a press conference with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And you have people like Kamala Harris that are used to being in a position where they need to get an answer from someone. Um, and so they know how to question people in a certain way. And she can come off a little aggressive, right? It's her job to get to the fucking answers. Well, I think some people would find it aggressive. I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> this isn't health and humans. I mean, this isn't uh, housing and urban development. 
This is the CIA. We need someone who is competent, capable, trustworthy, and has their head on straight related to issues such as torture, which have touched the agency in the past. But for her to say that Donald Trump wouldn't ask the question is fucking on its face ridiculous because we have Donald Trump. This isn't a debate before the nation saying this. Trump, just yesterday, almost 100 foreign policy experts signed on to an open letter refusing to support you, saying you're embracing expansive use of torture is inexcusable. General Michael Hayden, former CIA director, NSA director, and other experts have said that when you ask the U.S. military to carry out some of your campaign promises, specifically targeting terrorist families and also the use of interrogation methods more extreme than waterboarding, the military will refuse because they've been trained to turn down and refuse illegal orders. So what would you do as Commander-in-Chief if the U.S. military refused to carry out those orders? They won't refuse. They're not going to refuse me. Believe me. But they're illegal. Let me just tell you. You look at the Middle East. They're chopping off heads. They're chopping off the heads of Christians and anybody else that happens to be in the way. They're drowning people in steel cages. And he now we're talking about waterboarding. This really started with Ted. A question was asked of Ted last two debates ago about waterboarding and ted was you know having a hard time with that question to be totally honest with you they then came to me what do you think of waterboarding? i said it's fine and if we want to go stronger i'd go stronger too because frankly that's the way i feel can you imagine can you imagine these people these animals over in the middle east that chop off heads sitting around talking and seeing that we're having a hard problem with waterboarding we should go for waterboarding, and we should go tougher than waterboarding. But targeting terrorist families? And, and I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I've oh always been God. a leader. Oh I've never God. had any problem leading people. Oh, my God. If I say do it, they're going to do it. That's what leadership is all about. Even targeting terrorist families. Well, look, you know, when a family uh, flies into the World Trade Center, a man flies into the World Trade Center, and his family gets sent back to where they were going, and I think most of you know where they went, and by the way, it wasn't Iraq. What the f But they went back to a certain territory. They knew what was happening. The wife knew exactly what was happening. They left two days earlier with respect to the World Trade Center, and they went back to where they went. And they watched their husband on television flying into the World Trade Center, flying into the Pentagon, and probably trying to fly into the White House, except we had some very, very brave souls on that third plane. All right? Senator Cruz, you have no problem with it. You guys, honestly, do, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. That happened. Yeah. And people voted for him. And, and people that, are cheering for him. Listen to that fucking crowd. I mean, it makes me... It, it makes me very emotional in, in a very bad way yeah, that you're um, not happy right that now. people heard that i mean i didn't understand what he was saying half the time he's a good leader torture more people i mean that's pretty much all i understood well, what he's saying is they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna refuse me believe me he said mm -hmm. which means they're not gonna refuse me when i tell them to commit war crimes torture under geneva convention international law an agreement a treaty that we entered into he's saying we are going to violate that if i order it they'll fucking follow my orders so tell me again 
Gina Haspel? I do not believe the president would ask me to do that. Um, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, tell me again. Here's another of many clips that I could find. Would you allow U.S. interrogators to waterboard terrorist prisoners in order to extract information? Absolutely. You know, this question was in the previous debate, okay? And they asked it of Ted Cruz. What do you think of waterboarding and what would you do and how bad? And he was like really weak on it. He was, well, I, he didn't want to get involved because he thought waterboarding was bad. So, it's, of course, it's bad, but it's not like, it's not chopping off heads, folks, okay, that I can tell you. So they asked him, and he really gave a very incomplete answer. It was a terrible answer. He was stumbling and mumbling, and he's going like, well, I don't know. Okay. Then they asked the question to me, well, what would you do? I said, I'd prove it immediately, but I'd make it also much worse. They said, what do you mean? I said, I'd do much worse. I said, they're chopping off our heads in the Middle East. They want to kill us. They want to kill us. They want to kill our country. They want to knock out our cities. And don't tell me it doesn't work. Torture works, okay, folks? Torture, you know, I have these guys. Torture doesn't work. Believe me, it works, okay? And waterboarding is your minor form. Some people say it's not actually torture. Let's assume it is. But they asked me the question, what do you think of waterboarding? Absolutely fine. But we should go much stronger than waterboarding. That's the way I feel. They're chopping off heads. Believe me. We should go much stronger because our country is in trouble. We're in danger. We have people that want to do really bad things. Remember the power of weaponry. This isn't 100 years ago where we fight hand-to-hand combat. This is weapons that are so destructive, so destructive, that the world could end. We have to be very strong. We have to be very vigilant. We have to be very tough. Waterboarding is fine, but it's not nearly tough enough, okay? You know, what do you expect from someone who brags about not reading books? Yeah. Who brags about having all the best information and not needing to actually educate themselves? This is the kind of stuff that you get. Donald Trump is not interested in bettering himself. He's not interested in conversations. He's not interested in education. Furthering his knowledge on any topic. He bases his information on like knee-jerk reactions to just like what his brain tells him. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I think that that would be the better thing to do because my brain just sent a message and I'm receiving it. <laughs> and His very good brain. Yeah, and that's why I think that. <laughs> he's a stable genius, Brittany. It, it's, it's very disturbing that he's the president, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Kamala Harris earlier. Yeah. She, she had her time questioning Gina Haspel as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, wanted just kind of the general lay of the land relative to her feelings on on waterboarding on torture and whether it's morally correct not whether it's legally correct now it's not but just morally and gina haspel wouldn't even answer that question one question i've not heard you answer is do you believe that the previous interrogation techniques were immoral Senator, I believe that CIA officers to whom you referred... It's a yes or no answer. Do you believe the previous interrogation techniques were immoral? I'm not asking do you believe they were legal. I'm asking do you believe they were immoral? Senator, I believe that CIA did extraordinary work to prevent another attack on this country given the legal tools that we were authorized to use. Please answer yes or no. Do you believe in hindsight that those techniques were immoral? 
Senator, what I believe sitting here today is that I support the higher moral standard we have decided to hold ourselves to. Can you please to. answer the question? Senator, I, I think I've answered the question. No, you've not. Do you believe the previous techniques, now armed with hindsight, do you believe they were immoral? Yes or no? Senator, I believe that we should hold ourselves to the moral standard outlined in the Army Field Manual. Okay, so I understand that you're, you've not answered the question, but I'm going to move on. That's Donald Trump's pick for CIA director. Someone who can't even dedicate herself to a yes or no answer. Why should she be ashamed of her answer, if that's truly how she believes, about something as important as torture? Is it immoral or is it not? If it's if it's moral, then say yeah, yeah, it's moral. It's absolutely a a a tool in the chest in the in the tool chest of interrogation that sometimes we're going to need to use in extreme circumstances. Just say it if that's what you believe. I'm not even making a moral judgment about the 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 morality or immorality, the efficacy or not of it. I'm just saying. You want to be the CIA director, you better goddamn well be able to answer that question. And then doing the bullshit gaslighting Donald Trump style, I've answered your question. No, you have not. So as of right now, it does look like she is going to be um, confirmed and she will be the next CIA director. As with so many things in the Trump era, it, it's one of those, you know, the devil you know might be better than the devil you don't know. At least we know what we're getting now. Mm-hmm. At least she's in, not there to tear down the agency like, look, and this isn't a tacit approval. I'm just trying to, you know, put a silver lining on this thing. It's not a, a Scott Pruitt who wants to destroy the EPA. It's not Betsy DeVos who wants to destroy the Department of Education. At least there's there's a career person at the helm. There will be a career person at the helm. And Congress has reined in the CIA relative to torture. There are safeguards in place. I, I think she's terrible. A bad choice. But it could be worse. And unfortunately... That's that tends to be the metric by which we we gauge things under Trump. That it could be worse. You know. You 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 could also be on fire while you're drowning. Could be worse. All right. Well, listen. Next time we're going to get into this. This was just Gina Haspel. I had a whole other thing planned. We were supposed to get into the uh, the Russian oligarch who's paying my. Michael Cohen, but again, you know, we're we're on fire while we're drowning and being stabbed with knives. It's <laughs> there's only so many things you can cover while all that's happening, Brittany Page. So we'll save that for next time. We'll get we'll, we'll try to take a deep dive into that. Um, it, it, tenuous times, friends. T- tenuous times. We'd love to hear what you think. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone. I doubt it at dollamore.com.
It's the asshole of today. Sarah Jane Brash Joy. I don't I don't know how to say her that's name. That's a mouthful. Um, entirely, but uh, who is this Sarah Jane? So she's the white woman who called the police on the black woman who was. This could be any story. <laughs> this could be any story right now because all these stories are being reported uh, all over the country of black people having the cops called on them for no goddamn reason, whether it be Starbucks, whether it be a neighbor. Which one's this? Um, she was sleeping in a common room in the dorm. Oh, this is the Yale story. Yeah, at Yale University. And apparently the white student came in, said, you're not supposed to be sleeping here. I'm going to call the police. Um, I have every right to call the police. You cannot sleep in this room. She called the police. The police came out and interviewed the black student for like 15 minutes um, and said that they need to make make sure she is a student there and verify that she's allowed to be in that room. So she said, quote, I deserve to be here. I paid tuition like everybody else. I'm not going to justify my existence here. I'm not going to be harassed. And she videotaped the entire encounter. So was was this Sarah Jane? Was she saying that she thought like the black girl was a homeless person or that you're not allowed to sleep in a common area? So just kind of attacking her for being black and sleeping there. I mean, we don't know. You can try to figure that out. Yeah, I, I don't. Right. I don't know. I, it just seems like so either way is shitty. Yeah. I. I first I want to get into what happened here. So the black student posted the videos um, on social media, and it's interesting because these police officers apparently um, admonished the white student that called. So hmm. this is a situation where they came out. They verified that she was a student. And then once they figured out, okay, this is not a situation where we needed to be called. Like, this is obviously ridiculous. They admonished the white person for calling the police. Hmm. So that's an interesting development because yeah. we haven't been seeing that in these other situations. One thing I want to say, and we're going to get into a couple of things here, but one thing I want to say is that I'm very happy that these events are being reported in mainstream media outlets. Yeah, me too. Because this happens... All the time, all over, and people don't believe it, that there is still discrimination, prejudice, that it still exists every single day, and these interactions that people, that black people have to fear for their lives when they're just doing regular things, yeah. trying to sleep in the dorm room because they're writing a paper and they fell asleep and they got tired, okay, at Yale. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Um, so what's coming out about this this white woman that made this call, Sarah Jane, all, the, all these names... Um, she apparently was involved in the atheist movement. Okay. An interned for the freedom from religion foundation, which I've long had problems with, by the way, and was, I think our first episode we bitched about these assholes was writing regularly for daylight atheism. Okay. Um, about being vehemently anti-Islam and opposing hate crime legislation. She wrote this article um, looks like it was on Pathos. Be careful what you wish for. Why I hate hate crimes legislation, but I love hate speech. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, that, by the way, is on Pathos. So she titled that. That's not That's not like some editor who, who just picked some quippy title. That's her. Okay, but now people are starting to dig a little bit deeper. 
into the things that she's written. And she also wrote for thehumanist.com, which is not a website I'm familiar with. I don't know about you. Hmm. Um, she wrote this article, Lift the Veil, um, See the Light. And they have since removed her articles and actually put up a statement from the editors. Um, actually, it looks like they removed the articles years ago in 2010. Hmm. So this wasn't a reaction to the event. They removed the article in 2010 because it contains racially offensive argumentation. Wow. Okay. That's why they removed the article. And I'm just going to read you a little bit of it. It's um, in the web archive. So it's gone. But people are now sharing the web archive link. The so, Wayback Machine. The yeah. Archive.org or whatever. That's awesome. Right. Um, so By the way, massive service to, to mankind that website that archives these websites. So this is how it begins. We were studying the American Civil War in one of my middle school social studies classes when we were charged with the task of debating the pros and cons of slavery. Again. You can see this is going in a very positive direction. Well, who, where the fuck did she go to school that they're debating the pros and cons of slavery? She was placed on the pro-slavery side of the argument. Look at that. Wow. And uh, she goes on to say, I read about the trials and tribulations of both escaped and freed slaves. I read about the cruel world waiting to pounce mercilessly upon penniless, illiterate and uneducated former slaves about how former slaves were torn from the stability of family and community and the paternalism of the slave owner, including the legal protections afforded to slaves about how former slaves struggled to rebuild their lives in a world that didn't want them. And then I had a eureka moment. Mm. Some... Not many, but some of the slaves didn't want to stop being slaves. Ugh. A small number wanted to remain with their owners a return even after being freed. I knew I had just won the debate, and indeed I did. I led our team to victory. The pro-slavery contingent defeated the abolitionists because in a democracy, in the land of the free, who are we to tell people that they can't be slaves if they want to be? This is the moron who called the cops on the black girl who was sleeping in a common area at Yale University. At Yale University. At another student. Right. And also, her Twitter has since been deleted because I'm sure that they found it and she's being attacked. Uh, it says that she is a philosophy PhD student at Yale University writing, thinking about her dissertation. She's a PhD student? Mm-hmm. Uh. And this is what happens with these situations. You... People start digging up what you've written in the past. Yeah. And lo and behold, we have some racist ramblings here on the humanist.com. Can someone tell me what's going on? And then this person. With atheism and humanism. Yeah, this person is yeah. in the atheist community. And so this touches on what um, Dan in Oceanside called about a couple episodes back. It's touching on things that um, at Team Ian on Twitter, our yeah. senior incel correspondent. <laughs> Um, has talked about as well these these connections between the atheist community and kind of the blending of like the alt-right community um it's very strange and yeah. and now you have this this woman woman who called the police on a student who was sleeping honestly because they were writing a paper and they got tired at their yale dorm in the common room Ugh. where they pay let, tuition let me say this this is this is one of the reasons why the god question I don't give a fuck about anymore. I'm I'm far more a humanist because I care about the human condition than I am an atheist, which I'm going to define myself based on whether I believe in gods or not. It's not going to better my life. 
if there is or isn't a God. It'll certainly better my life if other people treat me as a human and I treat others as a human, as I would want to be treated to make the world a better place. Anyway, I th- good pick for asshole today. This person is a fucking idiot. Yeah, I guess we a can... A hateful fucking idiot. I guess we can say who the runner-up was really quick. It was going to be Town and Country Magazine. Oh, right. I know it seems like they wouldn't be up to anything bad. Fucking Town and Country Magazine, What do they asshole? even do? But they, <laughs> they invited Monica Lewinsky to an event that they were holding, but then because Bill Clinton decided to attend, they then disinvited her from the event. Oh, Jesus. It's 2018. Yeah, we can man. all move on now, right? You'd think so. But apparently not for Town and Country Magazine. Yeah, so that was the What kind of event is Town and Country Magazine holding? It was, I when Monica Lewinsky tweeted about it, she called it a social change event. So They're really committed to social change there. Tippy top shape. <laughs> yeah, apparently Bill Clinton at the event introduced um, Parkland shooting survivor Emma Gonzalez. So something related to that, I'm assuming. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave you there, everybody. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us twice a week or as often as you do. We would love to have you on board. We're, we're, we're reaching higher and higher toward that $80,000 a month Jordan Peterson mark on Patreon. <laughs> and we would love your help because we, we've got a long, long way to go to compete with that. So you can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. Of course, there's Amazon. You can give via cryptocurrency. Just go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's all kinds of links on how to support the show. We'd love to have you on board in the Dollamore family, producing the show and helping us move the conversation forward episode by episode. If you'd like to sound off, if you have a question, a query, a comment, we want to hear it. We want to talk to you about it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email that voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Until next time, we'll see you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. I do not believe the president would ask me to do that. <laughs>